Welcome to Sunny in Seattle with your host, Sunny Joy. And coming up on today's show, Sunny's guest is best-selling author, speaker, and Hay House radio host, Alan Cohen. And the two of them will be discussing his latest book, Spirit Means Business. So tune in and learn how to prosper wildly without selling your soul. And now we welcome your host for the day, Sunny Joy. And good morning. Welcome to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, attorney turned life coach, Sunny Joy McMillan. And we're here every Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. on Alternative Talk 1150 a.m. KKNW, bringing you amazing coaches, teachers, authors, and healers who are on a mission to encourage you, inspire you, and give you tools to live a life filled with peace, joy, freedom, and purpose. It is radio that positively shines. And if you can't catch the show live, you can always access those show archives. Those are found at 1150kknw.com. And I also invite you to connect with me via my website, which is goldenoversoul.com. That's goldenoversoul.com. And there you can find out more about me, my coaching practice, and connect with me for any of those things. Um, so I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Um, this one has been a long time in coming. He's been on my list for a while now. Alan Cohen, who many of you already probably probably own many of his books that are on your bookshelf right now. Um, Alan is, uh, holds a degree in psychology and human organizational development. He is the author of 27 popular inspirational books, including the best-selling A Course in Miracles Made Easy and the award-winning A Deep Breath of Life. He is also a contributing writer for the number one New York Times best-selling series, Chicken Soup for the Soul, and his books have been translated into 30 foreign languages. Alan's radio show, Get Real, airs weekly on Hay House Radio, and that's actually how I came to know Alan's work first and foremost. Uh, and his monthly column, From the Heart, is published in magazines internationally. His work has been featured on Oprah.com, USA Today, The Washington Post, 101 top experts, and so many other places. Uh, you can find out more about him and connect with him through his website, which is alancohen.com. That's alancohen.com. And we're here today to talk about his latest book that I'm really excited to dive into. Um, I think you all will find it very applicable in your lives and your businesses. And so the book is Spirit Means Business, The Way to Prosper Wildly Without Selling Your Soul. Alan, welcome to Sunny in Seattle. Hello, Sunny. Wonderful to be with you. Thank you. Yes, well, I've really been looking forward to this. Um, as I mentioned, I came to know your work. I was a big listener of Hay House Radio, and I know a lot of people probably came to your work many other ways than that, but that's where I first learned of you several years ago. And I'm just really excited to have you on the show, especially to celebrate the launch of this latest book. So I know <laughs> you write a lot, but this one's really I good. I love it. Um, so I'm curious, you know, I know a little bit about your background, but um, before we talk about the book, I'm, I'm curious about your journey to get to the work that you do today. And I know, you know, you are a student, student and a teacher of A Course in Miracles. And so um, I would just love to hear more about your, your spiritual journey and how you came to do the work that you now do. Yeah, I, I've always been on a spiritual path, even since I was a little child, I I remember had ver having various mystical visions. Uh, when I was a teenager, I adopted Orthodox Judaism because uh, that was my family's way. And um, But I've never been really religious. I've been more spiritual. Uh, when I was in my early 20s, I met Ram Dass, who lots of people know and love. He became my, my beloved guide and teacher. Um, I, I met a mystic teacher in New York named Hilda Charlton, who was a wonderful healer and 
psychic and guru and disciplinarian and mother and just a <laughs> person. So I, I really, um, I've had lots of influences on me. And, you know, one thing leads to the next. Uh, I found A Course in Miracles in 1980, changed my life. It opened my heart in many ways. I wrote my first book in 1980, which took off without me even knowing how to make it take off. And so I feel like I've had a very graceful life in the sense that uh, some wonderful teachers have found me. And, uh, you know, you, you dive into one thing for a season and the season ends and the next one shows up. So it's been an amazing, uh, not a straight path, but uh, it's like a river that winds around. And here I am. You know, here we all are. Yeah. And it's it, from reading this latest book, there were just so many moments where I felt like, and I love the stories you shared, not only from your own life, but those of clients. And it, you mentioned a river and it just feels like you have been in flow for years at this point. <laughs> and yeah. things have been easy and effortless in many ways. Yeah, I've had my struggles. You know, I mean, I, I've come to appreciate ease and effortlessness because I've been so much not easy and effortful. <laughs> and so, <laughs> You know, I've learned from contrast, and uh, there is a flow to life. You know, Lao Tzu called it the Tao. George Lucas called it the Force. And I think that there is a benevolent energy that is guiding us through life. And I think if we can line up with it, it takes us to some very beautiful places. And if we resist it, we get stuck and it hurts, and we have to figure out how to find our way back. So, you know, we're all on the same journey to the same mountaintop. Uh, we just have to each find our unique route. Yes. And with regard to A Course in Miracles, I'm sure most of our listeners are familiar with it or at least have heard of it, but what would you, how would you characterize that? I know it's a very big work and yeah. there's so much to it. And of course you wrote the book, A Course in Miracles Made Easy, but tell us about A Course in Miracles and why it changed your life. It's a, it's a form of spiritual psychotherapy that seeks to pretty much change our mindset so we don't live from fear and we live more from love. It teaches that uh, every moment, every feeling, every thought, every action, every word represents a choice between fear and love. Those are the only two emotions. And when we're in fear, we're in hell. And when we're in love, we're in heaven. I don't mean romantic love, of course. I just mean, you know, divine love. And so the Course is a, um, a part of it is a workbook that goes 365 days, one lesson a day for a year. And it seeks to systematically change our belief system so we upgrade our perception and we start to see divinity and possibility and, and opportunities where we once saw limits and pain. So as you said, Sonny, there's so much more to it, but it's actually a very simple system of shifting our perception so we align with who we are and then, then our life starts to work. Yes, and it sounds like you've been applying those principles in a really tangible way in your life yeah. and your business for many yeah. years now. Yeah, I, you know, there's one lesson of the course that says, I do not know what anything is for. And the idea is that our ego has an idea of the way things should be, but then spirit has another idea. May I tell a short story to, to illustrate this, Sean? Oh, I, I love stories. Please, yeah, as many yeah, yeah. as you want to share. Yeah, well, a couple of weeks ago, I had to go to Maui on business, and um, I, I had a car rental, and I had a meeting soon after the rental. And when I got to the rental office, I, there was a line of like one hour. I won't say the, the name of the company, but it was not a, big, <laughs> a company I'll go back to again. <laughs> anyway, um, 
I, I was, was going to take me an hour to get my car. And I was standing next to this guy in line, and I was talking to my partner, seeing if she could get me a rental at another place. And it was a yes or no, maybe. We went. So the guy in line said to me, he said, look, you know, if you want to slip out and try to get another rental, that's fine with me, because he knew I had an appointment. So I, I went, and I couldn't get another rental. And I came back. He let me back in line. And we started chatting about our lives and our careers. We got to know each other. And it was a nice hour. <laughs> <with this guy. laughs> um, and then when it came time for us to both reach the, the desk, I let him go ahead of me, which he appreciated. And we shook hands. And I realized that, you know, we performed a miracle for each other in the sense that he gave me space to go check out another car and I gave him space to go ahead of me in line. And it was just one of those things where it seemed like the logistical situation was we both had to wait for a car, but there was a joining, there was a connection, there was a heart connection, there was a friendship that got built. And I realized that I thought that the purpose of me getting the car was just to get the car, but the purpose of me being on the line was to connect with another human, human being and help each other. And it sounds like just a kind of a trite example, but I think it really demonstrates that everything has a higher purpose than we initially perceive. And if we can relax and open to the higher purpose, then it reveals itself. Yes, and I love the way that you have applied that principle in this book that we are talking about today, that spirit means business. Um, and that was one of the things that I felt um, there was just so much around things having a greater purpose and being aligned with that. And yeah. so I'm, I'm curious, you know, why did you decide to write this book and address business? Because and business has been a big challenge for me for many years. I, I never wanted to do business. And, uh, <laughs> but I, I wrote a, a book that became quite successful. And all of a sudden I found myself with income and taxes and insurance and all kinds of stuff. So over 30 or 40 years, I had to learn <laughs> how to do business. And I, I've learned that there's certain skills that really make business work. They're not the skills that we've been taught by our parents and, and role models. But when we combine spiritual values with doing business, then we get to fulfill our soul and have a successful business. So I've learned to be successful in, the, in business because I've, I've learned universal principles that apply to it. So this book is about the merger of a spiritual life and a successful, prosperous business life. Yes, and I want to actually back up a minute because you you mentioned the book that really uh, that took off, and then you had to create a business around it, basically. And was that the, the Dragon Doesn't Live Here Anymore? Yes, that was the first book. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so I'm. I just have to ask because you mentioned in this latest book that you 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 hadn't found a publisher for it, and you actually used your mom's life savings to publish it. And I thought, that sounds like a really brave move. Like, what, how, did you know that there was something that needed to be shared with this book, or did you know that it would turn into something and be worth it, or did you just do it yeah. out of love? Well, it was especially brave on her part because she <laughs> gave me the money. <laughs> Easy for me, huh? Right. Uh, I, I woke up one morning, I'd been teaching yoga and meditation, and this, I just felt this incredible urge to write. If I had to give it a voice, it would have said, sit down and write. And, um, and I said, I don't want to. And the voice said that was not one of the questions. <laughs> <laughs> so I just started writing. I, to tell you the truth, Sonny, I really did not know what I was writing. I thought I was writing some notes for a yoga class. But it just came and it took over like a freight train. And it reminded me that Wayne Dyer said that um, motivation is when you take hold of an idea, 
but inspiration is when an idea takes hold of you. Mm. So this idea took hold of me, and I just kept writing and writing and writing. And after a while, I realized I had a book in my hands. And so I, I went to, I don't know, a dozen publishers, and they all went thumbs down. And I thought, well, heck with you. So <laughs> I, I just, you know, I told my mom about it. She said, you're nuts. And the next day, she said, do you want the money? <laughs> so I said, all right. And uh, we went to her safe deposit box, and I published it myself. It was $5,000 in 1980, which is a lot of money. And um, I won't go into all details, but it just took off by word of mouth mm. through many, many, many miraculous connections. If we had more time, I'll tell you. Um, and then, you know, the book had a life of its own. I had to write it just because it was like having a child. It was the closest thing that a man can conceive of having a child, where it just was something inside me that needed to come forth. And I worked diligently on it, and I brought it forth in, in good taste, I think. And people read it. it was, and people said, you know, this is not the most technically excellent book in the world, but it really reached my heart. They said that, yeah, I feel your authenticity. I feel your vision. And that's what grabbed me. And so it became a bestseller. And, you know, one thing led to the next. Yeah, I just, I thank you for sharing that story. I was so curious about that when I was reading in here. And I think, you know, it takes a, it takes someone that really feels passionate or like the, the idea came through you and needed to be shared. Yeah. Um, and I love stories like that. So, okay, so here we are. And now newest book, Spirit Means Business. And you, I love that you open it with some really crazy myths, mistruths or ideas that general society believed for a long time, like bloodletting and over-the-counter heroin is the perfect guardian of health and some other things. <laughs> so why is the arena of business and money one of those areas where we still need some awakening because we have so much fear tied up with money you know we've all been told that money is the root of all evil but really fear is the root of all evil and when fear gets tied up with money money becomes evil and it's really a wonderful thing but we make it evil so you know we've had so many weird role models about money if people say well you know if you have a lot of money then you're successful and then you get guys like Jim Carrey saying, I wish that everybody could be famous and rich because they see that's where not it's, that's not where it's at. Right. And then you have other people saying, well, you know, you must be poor, chastity, poverty, and obedience, and anybody who has money is evil. So we have these crazy mixed up contradictory messages about what money is. And so no wonder people are nuts because, you know, because we, we have not received clarity or healthy role models about the place of money in our life. So what I'm trying to do is create a healthy role model for what money is and how to use it and you know, hopefully inspire people to do the same. Yeah, and I loved it. I'll just read a little quote because you talk about an explosive reframe about money and business. And, yeah. and you talk a lot about this in the book. And you write that any fear, stress, or pain you experience in your work is an arrow pointing you to a darkened area in your mind for healing. The answer to your career and financial challenges is not to work harder, quit, or take out another loan. It is to revisit your beliefs about money and shift them so you develop wealth from the inside out. Oh, that's, that br that's brilliant. I really like that. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So it's, but then it, uh, you, you go into, so let me just do the broad overview. You talk in the book about the, the illusions. Um, and there are, there are, uh, I believe, uh, 10 of them that you list here in the book. And these are illusions that we've been living under related to business and to money. Um, and so how did you come up with this list? Were these just things that you discovered in your own professional life or the clients that you work with? Yeah, both. Uh, because, you know, I've had my own share of fear and illusions about money. And you, you bump up against it because when, you, when you're when you working with an illusion, you start to feel pain and you have to figure out, why am I hurting? And so there's always an illusion behind pain. So I've had to peel away these illusions myself. And, of course, I've canceled, you know, lots of people who are stuck with the same illusion. So after a while, you start to see patterns. Mm -hmm. And you start to see why people are stuck with money. And, you know, they become clearer and clearer. And the good news is that, you know, when the illusions become clear, then you can peel them away and the truth that the illusions were hiding become clear. So mm -hmm. that's what my goal is in the book, is, in the book, is to, re, you know, shine light on these illusions so we can undo them and see the truths that they were hiding. Yeah, so I'll just, if it's okay with you, I've I've... In going through the illusions, I've pulled some quotes and some questions. And do you mind if I kind of dip in and out of some of the illusions oh, and just ask some questions? Do. Yeah. Please, please, please. Yeah. yeah, okay, awesome. So, you know, um, with illusion number two, you write, um, this is the illusion. The answers that you seek are somewhere out there. And I love how you, you start the chapter with the illusion, and then the final statement in the chapter is the truth. Okay, so if the illusion is the answers you seek are out or somewhere out there, the truth is that the answers you seek are within you. And you, I, I loved this quote, and I, I want to ask you a little piggyback question on it. You write that every person, encounter, and experience comes to you by an intelligent plan related to your well-being, professional advancement, and spiritual growth. And you, you use this example um, in, this, in this particular segment on this illusion. Um, this book that you wrote, Are You As Happy As Your Dog?, and you write about these beautiful circumstances that came together for this to be published in Japan and ended up with a collaboration with Dynavision. And I just, I wondered, you know, from where you sit, the way that that came together, what is the appropriate balance of surrender and allowance for those synchronistic circumstances to happen? And then what's the balance with that and our action and manifestation and, you know, us m movement on our part? Well, it's really both. It's a combination of the two. Um, I really believe that there is a force that is guiding us to our highest good. And if we can just align with it and let it take us to good places, it will. Now, if there's something that you need to do, you will be told. I, I'm not a, an advocate of just laying in bed and waiting for checks to float through your window. <laughs> although that could happen if you had great faith. It could happen. But, now, but actually, that would not be in our best interest because connecting and serving and being out there really is intrinsic to our own mental health as well as serving the planet. So, you know, you... We're all guided, and if you know if you keep banging your head against the wall, it's probably not it. When I was in graduate school, one of my teachers said, "If something you're doing isn't working, doing more is probably not going to work better." Mm -hmm. So um, you know you have to just find you just kind. Of, what I do is I turn it over. There's a there's a lesson in the Course in Miracles that says if you're ever not sure what to do, 
just turn it over to spirit and say, okay, higher power, God, whoever you want to call it, just show me here. If I'm supposed to do this, show me. If I'm not, show me. I trust that there's a way that this can work and I'm willing to be shown. Here it is. And that's the kind of humility that gets you where you really need to go. And sometimes it'll happen for you and sometimes it'll happen through you, but it will happen in either event. Yes, I love that. And so that leads me to the next one. This is from illusion number three. Uh, the illusion is your success depends on external conditions. And you write that the truth is that all the power you need to succeed exists within you. And I find this one to be, um, this was really, uh, I think, relevant and timely because I hear people say all the time, oh, I can't find a house because the rental market is so bad. And I can't, I'm having a hard time finding an ideal uh, job because of the economy. And you write that there is no such thing as the economy. Many different economies coexist simultaneously as parallel realities. Each of us lives in the equivalent in each of us lives in the one equivalent to our belief. And I, I would love for you to speak to that because I can just hear people saying, but, 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 <laughs> these are yeah. the realities around us. <laughs> yeah, well, those people need to reduce the size of their butt. <laughs> oh, <no>. uh, so. <laughs> I walked into that one. <laughs> you walked right into it. But yes, yes, but, yes, but it's a very common thing. So, uh, you know, I've lived in Hawaii and I lived on Maui for many years. So it's one island, right? And it's not huge. And, you know, half of my friends are realtors and half of my friends are massage therapists and the other half are realtors and massage therapists. So, <laughs> I, you know, I would hear a lot of them talk about the economy and I'd have one realtor say, oh, this economy sucks and I'm going to find another profession. And then another one says, hey, you just sold a $10 million house. And so you got to wonder, you know, what island are these people on? Because there's one small island. And one person thought the economy was totally sucking them, and another person thought the economy was totally prospering them. So what's the truth about it? And I really as I realized that each of us has access to the economy that matches our consciousness. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a lack fear consciousness, you're going to see a failing economy. And if you're in a prosperity conscious, you're going to see lots of money floating around. So, there, you know, there's always people who thrive in a bad economy and always people who flounder in a good one. So really, we have nothing to hold account to but our own consciousness that is creating our results. It's, that's just the way it is. There's no way around it. You can, you know, hem and haw and make excuses. But really, each of us is creating our experience in, every, in any given moment. Yeah, and I, I find that to be so encouraging and freeing and gives so much possibility. Yeah. Um, yeah I, and then, of course, this leads very good segue into uh, one of the uh, next illusions you mentioned, that your supply is limited. And the truth yeah. is, there's no limit to the wealth you can receive. Yeah. And I, this I found so fascinating um, that there you write that there's an economic theory that if all the money in the world were redistributed equally among all the people before long, the money would be back in its original hands in its original proportions. The answer to poverty is not simply take money from the rich and give it to the poor or work harder under your current mindset. The answer is to upgrade the consciousness of the poor. So they know they deserve riches and make good use of the resources within and without around them. And you also mentioned, I've heard this before that statistic on lottery winners who are back to their original original level of whatever their original net worth was, or perhaps even lower after just several years. Yeah. And how do we upgrade our wealth consciousness? Like how do we change those beliefs so we can accept more or receive more? 
Well, the first step is to recognize that the current level you're using is not really working for you. So if you're worried about money or overwhelmed with debt or fighting over money, so then you, you just have to admit this can't be it. And then what we want to do, Sonny, is look for role models of people who are letting in more wealth than we are and recognize that if they can do it, so can we. I used to go to um, a retreat center in Northern California called uh, Harbin Hot Springs. Yeah. Had, do you remember Harbin? Have you ever been there? I actually, I just moved to Petaluma, California, and so everyone has been saying you must go there, and I've, I've read about it for years. But, yeah. yeah, it sounds like a very special place, and it just recently reopened after the fires several years oh, ago. Oh, did they really? Oh, that's really great. I knew they had the fire. I didn't know if they reopened. That's really good. So, yeah. anyway. I've gone there for many years, and the way they used to have the system, you'd have, they'd have this uh, sign-up book outside the massage office, and if you came at an off hour, you'd just put your name in a slot and you could get a massage. So I went, I got in late one night, and I would be, I would usually stay for five days. I'd get maybe one, one massage in the five days I was there. And then I looked in this sign-up book, and I realized there was another guest who had signed up for one massage every day for five days. And I thought, you're allowed to do that? <laughs> <laughs> like, like a person get a massage every day if they want? <laughs> I said, yeah, he thinks he can, so he can. <laughs> <laughs> and so I thought, well, maybe I can do this too. So I started signing up for massages, not every day, but you know, maybe three massages while I was there. And I realized that I was suffering not by conditions, but by mindset that I deserve one massage out of a five-day stay. And so we can, you know, we can apply the same principle to money. We can apply it to relationships. We can apply it to jobs. That, you know, there is so much more available, and we just let in what we think we deserve or what, what we, you know, what we want. So um, it's 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 <laughs> it's a great big universe out there if we're willing to let it in. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think that probably is a good note for us to take our break. Um, so when we come back, we'll continue talking about some of these illusions. Um, I am joined today by Alan Cohen, who many of you may recognize from authoring uh, 27 books or his Hay House radio show or many other places where you can see him around the world. Um, you can find out more about him by going to alancohen.com. And the book we're discussing today that is newly released is Spirit Means Business, The Way to Prosper Wildly Without Selling Your Soul. You are listening to Sunny in Seattle, and we will be back in just a few. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Are you ready to get unstuck from a bad marriage and embrace your best life? If you're anything like me, you may have spent years creating a life that looks pretty good on paper. There's just one problem. Your marriage is unhappy and unfulfilling but you're too scared to trade your comfortable life for a future full of unknowns. In my new book, Unhitched, I will give you the tools you need to make the right decisions about your marriage, as well as the confidence that your future can be better and brighter than you can even imagine. I share my own very personal story, and I will guide you through a clear process that will enable you to answer the question, should I stay or should I go? It's a process that will help you tune out fears and unwanted advice, and instead tune into your own intuition and inner wisdom as well as exit a marriage gracefully and feel secure about your future. Get ready to trade confusion and stagnation for your best life. Unhitched, unlock your courage and clarity and unstick your bad marriage. Available today on Amazon.com. Sunny in Seattle, radio that positively shines. People join Walk MS to raise awareness and funds that change the world for everyone affected by multiple sclerosis. 
MS attacks the brain and spinal cord. It's the most common neurological disease leading to disability in young adults. Walk MS brings communities together, creating teams with friends, loved ones, and coworkers to rally around those we care about and end MS forever. Join us. Together we are stronger. Walk MS fundraising accelerates research breakthroughs and life-changing breakthroughs. It will take all of our passion, determination, and fundraising to end MS forever. Together, we can change the world for people with MS. Join us. Register today, start a team, and raise funds at walkms.org. Alternative Talk 1150. We're on your radio at 1150 a.m. We're on your HD radio at 98.9 Channel 3. So many ways to listen. We're on the web at 1150kknw.com. Streaming live audio and video as well as MP3 archives of many of our shows. So many ways to listen. And now, we're on your smartphone or tablet. Download our free app in the Apple App Store or Google Play and take Alternative Talk 1150 anywhere you go. So many ways to listen. I'm Dr. Anthony Lajewitz, and this is Climate Connections. Since the 1970s, about a third of Borneo's forest cover has been destroyed by agriculture, fire, and logging. Kinnery Webb of the nonprofit Health and Harmony says some residents of this Southeast Asian island feel they have no choice but to engage in illegal logging. They log to pay for health care. I know one man who cut down 60 trees to pay for a C-section. One medical emergency can cost an entire year's income. Basically, the only way to get that is to log the rainforest. So to help people afford health care without logging, Webb's group helped create a hospital near Borneo's Ganung Palong National Park. Patients can pay with non-cash items, such as handicrafts or seedlings, or their own labor. People from villages that do not participate in illegal logging pay discounted rates. Webb says the model works. Her group surveyed more than 1,000 households and found that the number participating in logging had dropped by more than two-thirds in just five years. She says slowing deforestation around the world starts with listening to local people. We need to ask them what they need and then funnel those resources to them. Everyone in the world will do better if these communities do better. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. Learn more at YaleClimateConnections.org. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. And welcome back to Sunny in Seattle. I am your host, Sunny Joy, joined today by Alan Cohen, and we are discussing his latest book, Spirit Means Business. So, you know, before the break, we were talking about some of the illusions that you discuss in the book. And I, I want to just, I mentioned it earlier, but I want to just say it again, that I found this book incredibly engaging because not only do you include so many stories from your own life, but you include a lot of uh, uh, great stories from clients or collaborators or acquaintances you've made around the world. And it really does drive the um, practical application of the principles you're teaching home in a really entertaining way, in a very approachable way. So I just for those out there listening, this is a very good read. <laughs> Thank you um, so much. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And it, since we were talking about um, upgrading our wealth consciousness before the break, how do we do that? And I, there was a story, and I can't, I know I've pulled a quote from it, but I'm um, just going to ask about it now because it feels applicable. But you told a story about Tony Robbins and where there was a moment in his life where his mindset around prosperity really shifted. Yeah. Um, do you mind sharing that story? Because I think it's very powerful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tony was a young man. He was not the Tony Robbins that he is now. And uh, he he didn't have much money. And he had loaned a friend $1,000, and the friend was not paying him back. And he was down to just a few bucks, and he decided to go out and have some lunch. And he saw a boy there. I want to say he was like eight years old. And the kid was out with his mother for lunch. And Tony was so impressed by how kind this boy was and how bright and how he, he was helping his mom that Tony went over to him and he gave him the last, like, $30 that he had. Mm. And, you know, and Tony said that in that moment, I was free because I, I had given up all fear about money and I just wanted to help this kid. And he said it was a moment of huge liberation for me. He said he went back to his home and the, he found a check from the guy he had loaned the money to plus interest. <laughs> and he said that was a huge turning point for him because he realized that prosperity is not about fearfully clinging to money, but it's about passing it around and circulating it and adding value to other people's lives. Well, you know, you know what happened to Tony after that. He's a multimillionaire and he has a huge business empire. But he said that was his turning point from lack to supply. That is a great model, huh? Oh, absolutely. And that I found it in my notes here. This is from illusion number seven. And the illusion is that to succeed, get as much as you can while giving as little as you can. And the truth is, generosity is the royal road to riches. And there's another, uh, I just, I know I'm, my listeners know that I do like to pull quotes, but I have to say, Alan, I pulled more quotes for today's interview than I have in a long time, just because they were so good. good. <laughs> so, Thank, you. Thank you. I hope you don't mind. This is kind of the no, format please. that I'm going to. Go. Yeah, sure. Okay. So this is one where I'm, uh, I think this is from the same, uh, chapter on this, uh, you know, the idea that generosity is the Royal road to riches. You write that at some point you must decide if you will trust the intelligence that created and sustains the universe or the story of lack you have learned that replaces it. That decision becomes obvious when you consider how well your current story is working. And I'm curious for your life, Alan, you know, where was that turning point for you? Or was it, did it go, was it in stages or was there a moment of epiphany like Tony, where you learned you could trust and things would show up? Well, there were many turning points. Um, a number of years ago, I did a program for a holistic center and they were supposed to pay me like $1,300 and um, they didn't. And I kept hounding them for it. And they said, oh, sorry, we're going bankrupt. And so then a couple of months later, I looked in a local magazine and this, the same person had reopened the center under, under a different name. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and she was making money. And I, I said, well, hey, you know, I deserve some of that. So I wrote her a, a harsh letter saying pay up. Mm -hmm. And I was about to go on a trip and I thought about it. And I thought, you know. I didn't really feel like chasing this lady around for the rest of my life. So I told my assistant, tear up the letter. I'll just forget about it and write it off. And then I went to do a, a tour of programs, and I did a program at Unity Village in Missouri. 
and they were supposed to pay me according to the number of people in the audience. And um, it came out according to my calculations like $3,000. And then they, they gave me a check for $4,300. <laughs> and I said, is that really it? They said, that's what we want to pay you. Huh. And I realized that that $1,300 came back through another door. Mm. And when I was willing to just trust and not use that money as a bone of contention to fight over, so then I sure felt a lot better, and the universe took care of me anyway. Anyway, so that was, it was just one, you know, one of many lessons that when I let go and relax, good things come. Yeah, and I, I can't tell you how many stories, I love these kind of stories because I feel like it takes, at least for me, I need to hear them often because my mind yeah. forgets. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, that it, and it's always amazing to me with many of these stories, the amount that comes back was the exact amount you yeah. loaned or you lost, or of course it's yeah. never really lost, but yeah, it, yeah. it always seems to come back. Um, but then this brings up, okay, another question that I have around one of these illusions, and this is one of the, uh, so here's the illusion, you must earn your good. And the truth is you already deserve all the good you want and need. This one, I have to say, Alan, has been one of the hardest ones for me to really, uh, what's the word, let it actually sink into my, the vibration of my yeah. being. I, yeah. And you, I love the example you use, that if you're a child of a king or a really wealthy person who doesn't have to work, um, you only a deluded heir would deny that inheritance and take a distasteful job to sustain already overflowing coffers. I think, ah, how, how do we come to see ourselves as beloved children of an infinite universe that deserve just by virtue of our presence, all of the good things? I, I don't, I, this one is a hard one for me, Alan. Yeah, it's hard for a lot of people. It's really a big reversal of what we've been taught, isn't it? Yeah. So I, you know, my partner and I, we have five little dogs and they're our kids. They're, we don't have biological children, we have dogs. And it is our absolute delight to care for these dogs. We just love them. They, they bring us so much joy. They're naughty. They're funny, you know, <laughs> and we actually buy them really good food. And, you know, we, we have little sweaters when it's cold. We're kind of <laughs> And we put them in the car, and um, it is our absolute delight to take care of them. And we don't have, like, the slightest sense that they have to do anything to prove themselves. They're just lovable for who they are. And, of course, you know, if you have children, it's kind of the same thing when the kids are little. You just, this, this little child is just such a beautiful, bright light. Why would I think this child would have to earn anything? And so we need to find some role models that demonstrate that, you know, the universe loves to take care of us. And we have just imposed this heavy, burdensome work ethic over, you know, over, over joy. And so one of the ways to put that into practical action, Sonny, is to notice if you find yourself struggling or earning to earn, or, you know, I have to, I have to prove myself, I have to demonstrate I'm worth it. And ask yourself, if I did not believe I have to prove myself, what would I be doing differently? And, you know, if you can just kind of hold that illusion up to the light and say, wait a minute, I cannot believe I am here on this earth to roll a rock up a hill just to have it keep rolling back on me. Mm -hmm. And then you start making choices and according with joy, in accordance with joy. So if I were to choose the joy path at this moment, what would it be doing differently? And then, then you have the guts to say, okay, this 
this path seems more aligned with my passion and heart than this struggle one. Let me try the passion and heart one and see what happens. And then miracles happen. Then, you know, can I tell you one more really great story? Do we have time? We have plenty of time. I want all the stories, please. Yeah, yeah. This is one of the best, really. Um, so years ago, I was scheduled to fly from Maui to California. And I put in for a first class upgrade and it didn't come through. And I went to the airport and they announced that the plane was, the plane was delayed two hours for mechanical reasons. So I decided I would go to the desk and see if I could get in their face and get an upgrade because I grew up in New, in New Jersey and the idea is that <laughs> if you want something, you just, just annoy people until they give it to you. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good strategy. <laughs> uh, but but uh, unfortunately, there was a long line of people ahead of me wanting to do the same thing. So, oh, dear. <laughs> so I looked at the line. I thought, you know, I could be standing here for the two hours until I get on my plane. And the voice said, Alan, what do you teach? And I, I answered trust. The voice said, if you were trusting now instead of fearful, what would you be doing differently? And I thought, well, I sure as hell wouldn't be standing in line for two hours. Yeah. And so I had a pass to the executive lounge. And so I went to the executive lounge. I put my feet up and took a nap and did some emails and relaxed. Fifteen minutes before the flight, I came back to the uh, gate. And as I'm passing the desk, I hear over the intercom, Mr. Cohen, please come to the desk. So I come to the desk. Okay, your first class seat just came through. And then she says, I don't know where that seat came from. It was not here a minute ago. <laughs> I'm not making this up. So I took the seat and I said, thank you very much. And I walked away and I realized you're supposed to give them these coupons. So I wanted to be honest. I said, well, do you want the coupon? She said, no, no. She said, the computer here says it's paid for. And that's good enough for me. And I said, yeah, it's good enough for me, too. Thank you very much. And I, I think, Sonny, I enjoyed that flight more than any other flight. And I've, I've flown around the world several times. And, um, you know, it was, a, it was a, a, an in-your-face demonstration that when you let go and trust, miracles happen. I, I, there's no other explanation for that whole scenario. Oh, I love that. And it's just, and I think, like... In that moment, I my response several years ago might have been, oh, I don't deserve this. Oh, I should probably give it to, oh, how did this even happen? But yeah. now I think take a deep breath yeah. and just receive it and do what you did. Enjoy it more than you enjoyed any other flight. <laughs> yeah, it was a blessed flight. It was a grace flight. Yeah, there you go. I love that. Well, so, you know, one of the other things, I think this would be probably one of the big illusions that many people are thinking about when we're talking about work and money, are that the goal of of work is money. And that right. is, you say, one of your illusions you list. And, and the truth is that the purpose of work is soul fulfillment, creative expression, and service. And so if someone is out there listening or reading the book, and they think, but I have you know, a mortgage and I have children and I've got expenses. What, how, how do you speak to that? Well, it's fine to work for money if you have a good use for it. Um, you know, and you know, I often hear from uh, actors and musicians, Hey, you know, I feel guilty about waiting tables because I like to pursue my music. And I say, well, reframe the waiting tables income in the service of your music. So say you wait tables for six or eight hours a day and then you play music for hours a day as well. So I say, remember that you're being paid in order to support you as you're pursuing your vision simultaneously. Mm. 
And so then, you know, you, you, I mean, the worst thing is when you sell out and say, I cannot do my passion because I have to work so hard. And is, you know, as long as you have at least a thread or some connection to your passion and you have a vision that you're going to a better place, then, you, you know, if you need to work for money, you work for money. But you always keep a higher vision than working just for money. Another way to look at it is that, you know, let's say you have a you know, mortgage officer or a, you know, or a chambermaid that you use those, the time on your job for connection. So instead of just saying you have to talk to all these boring people, you have to ask them how their, how their day was. Connections with the people on the route, such that um, the, the, the trip to the airport becomes a delight rather than a drudgery. So it's really, uh, it's not what you're doing that makes a difference in life, it's what you make of it. Yeah, and, and then on that same note, uh, you write, I like this, uh, that you said the world is not the source of your spark, spirit is. So dedicate your business to keeping your flame burning independent of events and money will find its way to you in clever and amazing ways. Yeah. And I love that, 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 that idea that um, the world is not the source of our spark. The, the, your job is not your source. Your, these are all just conduits for ways right. for source to send beautiful things to you. Yeah, that's the way it is. You know, in, in my work, Sonny, uh, if, if ever the income or the activity slows down, I ask myself, am I being 100% true to my passion and my vision? And usually the answer is no, that I'm either doing some old program that I'm bored with or I'm not acting on a new program I like to do. And then when I tell the truth about where my passion lives and I act in that direction or let go what's not passion, then people start showing up hand over fist. They can't pay me enough because when my passion is in my work, then people are attracted to the passion as much as the form of the work. And people are happy to pay for somebody with passion because most people feel so devoid of passion that anybody who has it is attractive to them. Yeah. So the idea is to stay on the cutting edge of your passion and the universe will support you one way or another. Oh, and that brings me to a beautiful quote that I think this embodies this beautifully. You write that the energy behind your actions determines your success. So it's, yeah. it's along that same line. And that's from the illusion that competition is healthy and required. And the truth is cooperation and mutual support yield the highest success. Yeah. So, yeah. So it, it sounds like, you know, when you are, what, where uh, I know I've got another quote in here, but related to this, that the universe rewards authenticity. And so it, the energy you bring, the authenticity you bring, when you put that on the table, then you're rewarded for it. Yeah. People are looking for realness, and occasionally in my workshops, I'll tell an embarrassing story about something <laughs> stupid I did. And then once I said, "Do you guys still like me?" And they said, oh, "We we like you more. <laughs> they said, we we like you because you're a human being like us." And so, um, you know, we're all on the same path. We all have ups and downs. We all have some inner struggle. And so, when we're naked about what's going on inside of us. It really, you know, gives people a chance to connect with us and we can be in this together instead of one person above another. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I always find, um, and I think you, you mentioned something like this in the book as well, that in terms of Facebook posts, the ones that I do that get the most engagement are the ones that are 
vulnerable or personal, not in a, you know, not in a reveal too much kind of way for attention, but just a very like, this is my real life. This is who I am. Yeah. 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 People are, people are hungry, you know, with technology, there's so much phoniness or at least sterility in the marketplace that when you get to connect with a real person, it's such a blessing, you know, it's almost a rarity these days. I mean, so many businesses don't even want to talk to you, you have to communicate with them online. And so to really connect with a human being in the course of a business day, that's a blessing. That's what you remember about your business day was that connection. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, this, will, I'll want to ask about one more here because I want to make sure we have some time to also mention some events you have coming up. So th this is this is the last illusion that you list that you must sacrifice your life for work. But the truth is, you do your best work when you are fully alive. And I <laughs> I love that you use Mark Allen as an example. Um, he's been on the show before, <laughs> uh -huh. and I think of him so often. So, do you mind sharing, you know, a little bit about that illusion, the truth, and why you used Mark Allen in the story? Yeah, he's a funny guy, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. So, for those listeners, he's the he founded New World Library, which is, right. of course, we I interview a lot of their authors, so love their work. A very successful publishing company. And Mark is like, you know, people think I'm laid back. Well, he makes me look like I'm frantic because he's he's just like the most laid back guy in the world. And I, I've interviewed him too. And he says, well, you know, I get up and I sit in the hot tub and maybe I'll come to work around 11 and I don't work on Mondays. And if there's any struggle or effort, I'm just not there, dude. You know, he's like, and you know, he's like super, super, super laid back. And yet, um, he's, he's a multimillionaire. He has a hugely successful publishing company that's published a lot of major authors. And, you know, he's at one with his style, with his lifestyle. And he believes that I can lay in a hot tub till 11 o'clock and then go to work and still be successful. And okay. so, you know, he's actually a good role model of how good you can get if you are true to your own personal style. Now, there's other people like Elon Musk who never stop working. And that's their idea of fun. You know, they, they, you know, they, their work is their life and that's the way it works. So bottom line is that you really have to be, you have to find your own sweet spot of keeping yourself nourished with joy while you're putting your work out there to the universe. Yes, I love that. And on that note, um, I think you help people do that very thing through your uh, Foundation for Holistic Life Coaching, where you train coaches so that they can help spread this this good news to everyone out there. And so I was hoping you could speak a little bit about your uh, life coach training, because I know you've got a cohort starting on August 1st coming up here, if yes. someone is interested in joining that. Yes, that's exciting. It's a very popular program. We train people to be professional certified life coaches using a holistic model, and they can either coach full-time or part-time or more casually. And we find, Sonny, that not only do these people become successful in coaching, but they experience a profound inner transformation as they learn the coaching skills. So the next program starts on uh, on August 1st, and I'm having a rare retreat associated with the program in California. I usually do in Hawaii, but uh, this year only to be in California. So if people would like to play with me for six months and become a professional life coach, they go to my website 
alancohen.com and there's an icon there for that training. Yes, yes, I love that. And I also want to mention, you've got another event coming up, uh, the Spirit Means Business Seminar. And yeah. that is coming up here in Marin County. I noticed very close to me on oh. August 22nd and 20 through August 22nd through 25th. So what can folks expect if they want to come out for that? Well, everything we've been talking about, uh, merging the highest spiritual values with your worldly career so you don't have to struggle, strain, or sacrifice to be successful. And you can actually have integrity and peace of mind and soul satisfaction while earning a fabulous living. So it's a three-day intensive in-person workshop in Mill Valley. And uh, it's going to be hot. It's going to be wonderful. And so uh, it's one of the few programs I do on the U.S. mainland ever. So if people want to come out and play with me, I'd love to see them. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. Yeah. So, well, as we're getting close to wrapping up, Alan, I didn't ask this at the beginning of the show, but I feel like I, I want to hear you speak to this before we part ways today, because, of course, the book is called Spirit Means Business, but that has many meanings. And so why did you decide to call the book that? Yeah, well, on one level, um, the idea is that if you really want to have a successful business, you have to have a spiritual foundation, ultimately. And so you cannot divorce spirituality and business, not in the big picture. And the other side of the double entendre is that, you know, universal principles mean business. Like, they, you can't mess with them. Like, they are just universal laws. And when you align with universal laws, you get the results that universal laws are powerful enough to create. So it kind of works both ways from the human level and the divine level. Yeah. And, and when you speak to universal laws, not to open up a can of worms when we have just a couple minutes left, but are those are those universal laws from A Course in Miracles or just universal laws from where are those coming from? The universe. The universe. Okay, okay. <laughs> they have been around ever since the universe began. You know, people say you create your own reality. Well, not really. That's a half-truth. You create your own experience of reality. But above and beyond our belief systems, there are certain laws upon which the entire universe is founded. Religions have pointed to them. Gurus have pointed to them. Coaches have pointed to them. And they're said in many different ways. But really, there are certain foundational principles that make life work. There's rock solid, you cannot mess with them. And when you tap into them, everything starts to flow because you're aligned with spirit. Yes, oh, that was a perfect answer with the time we have left. Um, yeah, and so that I think these principles are woven throughout this beautiful new book by Alan Cohen, Spirit Means Business, The Way to Prosper Wildly Without Selling Your Soul. You can learn more about Alan and his work and get a copy of the book by going to alancohen.com. That's alancohen.com. And Alan, I just want to thank you so much for coming on Sunny in Seattle. I adored the book. It was very, as I mentioned on our break. Um, it's very timely for me in my life right now, and I, I really um, am excited for what it can bring to the folks out there who are going to read it. Well, it's been an absolute delight. I think you win the award for the most quotes you know. Very good. Thank you very much. You get a gold star. And uh, I'm joking, but I, I truly appreciate you being in line with the material, Sonny. It's really a pleasure to talk about it with you. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. And I have a lot of quotes on my quote list now that I've pulled from the book. So anyway. Big, big love to you, my dear. Hey, you too. And for those out there listening, thanks so much for listening to Sunny in Seattle. I am your host, Sunny Joy, signing off. <laughs>